Thanks, moms. A little bit of technical difficulty. Sorry, the sound's not quite as loud as you needed it, but you got the message. Did you moms feel like, that's me? It's just, you know, moms do that. That's just who they are, and we need it. Well, today, we're finishing up Zephaniah. Don't say amen. Some are like, man, I'm glad. Well, hey, it was going to be a 16-week course, and I decided, no, no, it wasn't. I was going to be five, and I said three. But today is the week. I almost fell off. Did y'all see that? Today is week three, third chapter. Open to Zephaniah. Start at verse eight. We're going to finish this up. We call this today, He is Mighty to Save. Uh, as I was preparing this week, I just had, came back and said, man, we've got to do that great song that we used to sing here, and we sang it earlier. Great job, team, and Doug. Appreciate y'all. And our God is mighty. Today, I'm just busting out about the goodness of the Father and how He is good to redeem us and to give us a hope and a future. And today, we'll walk through this minor prophet. And these people, as we've been reading, discovering the last couple of weeks, they were very rebellious. Judah was, and, and desolation and destruction would come upon the people in judgment. They would be taken over by the Babylonians in captivity. And this book is very prophetic in nature. It moves about what's happening in that region at that time, but it also points toward the second coming of Christ and Christ establishing his millennial eternal kingdom. But there's this pattern of judgment that we've had to go through the first two weeks, but then you get into this hope-filled restoration of God's chosen people of the remnant of Israel, of the, of the people that love God, and that God has desired to be, them to be godly and for them to be pure. But they were just the opposite. They were a very godless generation. They had absolutely turned their backs on God. And there's so many things we can learn because in modern day, in 2019, it's so easy for us to turn our backs on God or to get angry at God or to walk away from faith as a high school or a college student or a young adult or an older adult or wherever we find ourselves because we just feel like, I don't get it. So a lot of times we have to look at the messages, the judgments of God to appreciate the beauty of God, how beautiful He is about the love and about the mercy so the third chapter I enjoy the most because Zephaniah makes a turn for us. And I don't know about you, but I was glad because, I mean, it's a little, it's a little hard to read. I've read it over and over. Maybe you've read it a few times this week, only 53 verses. But now we find ourselves turning the corner. There is a mighty warrior, if you will, God himself. He rides into battle. He is the glorious one. He is the victorious one. And here's what I know. The cross has always been about and it always will be about God's justice and about God's mercy. God's justice and His mercy, they converge at the cross. They converge on our lives in a thing called grace. And I'm grateful for grace this morning. We're, we're a grace fellowship. So you look here at the top, basically they're, they're being restored in this section here. Uh, chapter 3, verses 8 through 20, the, the people are being restored, and there's this interesting glimpse here. But, but here, pick up the text with me. Look at verse 8. Therefore, be patient, says the Lord. It's an interesting word, be patient. I don't, I don't know if you struggle with being patient. I certainly do. Some of you are saying, yeah, I do too. Soon I will stand and accuse these evil nations, for I have decided to gather the kingdoms of the earth and pour out my fierce anger and fury on them, and all the earth will be devoured by the fire of my jealousy. Certainly judgment. You're saying, well, you tell me he's going to turn the corner. He is, but we want to just get this, and then look here. But then he says, but in verse 9, but then I will purify the speech of all people so that everyone can worship the Lord together. So, 
he pours out his indignation. He pours out wrath here, but he says, but I want to restore. I want to do something new that they may call upon the Lord, that there would be a purity in their lives. There would be a declaration of praise, that their speech would be devoid of vulgarities. They would be devoid of of the wicked things, of the evil speech. There, There would be something new. There would be something beautiful that God was doing. And then they would go on to serve him with one accord. But here, look at the text with me. Verse 10, my scattered people who live beyond the rivers of Ethiopia will come to present their offerings on that day. You will no longer need to be ashamed. No reason here for shame. For you will no longer be rebels against me. I will remove all proud and arrogant people from among you. And there will be no more haughtiness on my holy mountain. And as we see that, it's just, as I said last weekend, God asked us to seek him in humility, in meekness, in holiness. And there's no proud people that stand before the Lord. Only ones that are broken, contrite, that tremble, as Isaiah say at the word of God. They realize their sin for what it is, that it is a great offense to a holy God that cannot look on our sin, but he's made a plan to deal with our sin, to take cover our sin, if you will. But we need to see our offense for what it is. God, I've, I have sinned. Have mercy on me. And then we specifically as Followers of Jesus, we confess those sins to the Lord specifically. Maybe we confess them to one another. But look at verse 12. Move there. Those who are left will be the lowly and humble, for it is they who trust in the name of the Lord. And then he goes on, the remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will never tell lies or deceive one another. I don't know about you, but when I read that, and he's prophesying this coming age, and they will not deceive, they will not lie anymore. And I thought, man, that would be awesome. Could you imagine turning on the news channel today or tomorrow or next year, and nobody lied? That would be amazing. I mean, it's amazing how people can lie, look you in the face and lie. And politicians are really good at it, aren't they? You're saying, it ain't just politicians. It's me. It's you. It's whoever. I don't know. But God says, but they're not going to do that. In verse 13, look what he says. But the remnant of Israel do no wrong. They will never tell lies. They won't deceive one another. They will eat. They will sleep in safety. And no one will make them afraid. So there's this whole truth-telling, faithfulness is what God's calling for. No fear. But I've got a couple questions for you. So not in your notes, but I think they're helpful for us today. The issue is this, what do you think about God? But what do you think that God thinks about you? We all need to ask that question, what does God think about me? Yeah, you're reading the first couple of chapters here, you read a lot of books in the Bible, and you're going, I don't know, I think God's going to judge me. But when you read the full context of God, you see that God is for you. God loves you. God pursues you. God is overwhelmed with you. God thinks you're beautiful. God wants you. God desires for you to walk in fellowship with him. And the church said, And it's awesome, God, you reign and rule, reign forever. Throughout the millennium, throughout the kingdom, throughout eternity, God, there is none like you. But God, what I think about you influences how I behave and how I begin to treat others. And it goes to the deepest part of my heart and it makes me begin to think. But look, look here, here, draw a line right under verse 13. And then in verse 14, he's really starting to shift. It's like now he wants to go in second gear or third gear. Had you ever had a car and you were driving it and you were in first gear or second gear? And what's it doing? Need a shift. Um, there we go. Okay, well, here we go. We, uh, we, we used to have some three-speeds. I know that sounds funny today, three-speed transmission. And then it was real popular when I was driving. We had four-speeds. Woo! All right. 
and then we went to five and six or whatever. But I, I remember I had, this, uh, I had this little Datsun one time. Matter of fact, it's about, mm, I'd say how old, but Donna is so young. But anyway, I'm old. Anyway, it was a long time ago. It's the first car we bought together. And this car had a four-speed transmission. And, you know, you'd, you'd go through a couple of gears, and then when, you know, man, you, you know, it'd be, I mean, it's like, it's, like it's going to blow up. And it, it didn't. And, and then, then you'd shift, and, you know, you'd torque it. I mean, it just, I, I was so glad when they came up five-speed transmissions, and, like, you're tacking 2,000, 2,500 RPM. It was, like, awesome. This, well, here in this scripture, God takes a shift. I think he takes a shift from judgment. But look, look, you're saying, well, wow, I, I want to see it. Look at verse 14. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. So here he's restored with singing. And he talks about gathering those that are appointed, the appointed assembly. And sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. It just, it, it gets hope filled. And we'll come back to this and we'll see the section that I'm most excited about that I want to camp out on today. But I, I want to get there first. But you see here, fill in the outline with me, verse 15. In verse 15, it says, Every enemy and opponent and hindrance is a joy to cast out. Or, or, or a hindrance to joy is to be cast out. These enemies that come against us, they need to be put aside. They need to be put away. God has taken our judgment and put it on the cross on Christ. He takes our enemies and he puts those away. And God deals with our enemies. And you're saying, but, but pastor, I've broken the law. Okay. But pastor, I've got so much shame in my life. Man, shame is demoralizing. Shame will go with you wherever you go. You have to just get it right with Jesus. But then he washes over us and he takes these judgments. And so the enemy gets cast out. There's no more disaster. But look, 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 verse 15. He, after he says, be glad and rejoice. For the Lord will remove his hand of judgment and will disperse the armies of your enemy. And the Lord himself, the king of Israel, will live among you. And at last your troubles will be over. I love that when the Lord says, at last your... How many of you would love for your troubles to be over this morning? No more troubles. Hey guys, because of where I'm walking right now, I've just got to tell you, for Courtney Pruitt, her pain... Her suffering, her troubles, her, all her trips to Birmingham, all the poking and prodding and all the things that they've done to this young girl are over. Praise God. She is whole. She's with Jesus. The author and perfecter and finisher of her faith. And God didn't remove his hand from that little girl. He doesn't remove his hand from us. But look here. He says, at last your troubles will be over and you will never again fear disaster. But verse 16, look, here it is. This is, this, we're fixing to get to something really rich. I mean, it's going to get powerful. But I want you to fill it in. We can depend on his love for it will never fail. How many of you believe you can depend on the love of God? You can. Right now, this morning, I can depend on some people. And I do. But they still let me down. Even the best people sometimes let us down. Even, listen, I want you moms to know that you are celebrated and you are almost perfect. But sometimes you moms have failed. And all the moms said, and all the moms said, I heard somebody say, not me? No, I don't think any mom would say that. We, we have failed 
but we can depend on his love. And, and then, and then, it's going to shift. And so he says there in 16, on that day the announcement will be to Jerusalem, cheer up Zion, don't be afraid. And then he goes to verse 17. Now let me tell you, you can read the Bible cover to cover, year after year, and study the scriptures and be a student of the word, and that's what we do as followers of Jesus. But most people will skip Zephaniah, as I've told you, for whatever reason, because they just go, you know, I, I, I don't, wait a minute, I'm sorry, I'm getting strangled here, something happened. That was fixing to be real ugly, it just choked me hard. Okay, here we go. So, so you, you're reading the Old Testament, you see Zephaniah skip. But if you will take time, as we're doing, and you dig into it, there's this obscure verse, and it's right there, on your worship guide, verse 16, that goes into 17, and it just gives hope. It, this is a verse, this is a refrigerator verse. This is a screensaver verse, okay? Look at it. For the Lord your God, verse 17, is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. The New American Standard says, He is a victorious warrior. I love that. Mighty King, mighty Savior, victorious warrior. Champion of champions. That's what it says. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Some translations say, Our God sings over us. Now I want you to stop and think for a moment. We sing to Him in our personal quiet times, many of us, in our devotions, in our cars, in our vehicles. We, we listen to music all the time. We're filled, many of us, with praise and worship. And we sing to our God. And we come to this room and we sing new songs and we sing old songs and we sing to Him. But when you read this scripture, time out. God sings back to us. God sings over us loudly. Does anybody get thrilled about that? I do. My God loves me. He loves you. He delights in you with gladness, says the Scripture. He sings over you. Moms, come on. It's Mother's Day. How many of you moms have sang to your little ones? Oh, yeah. Okay, let's get on the edge. How many of you dads have sang to your little ones? Why do you think my girls are so musical? Because they didn't want to be anything like me. I would sing to them all the time. And, and let me tell you, I'm the king of making up stuff. I would just make up songs if I didn't, and I'd just put in words, and I would sing and sing. And a lot of times I didn't do it with Donna around because she went, man, baby, you're, you're going to mess them up, you know? But God's got grace because they came out good. And they love him, and they love to sing the praises of their heavenly Father. And we sing the praises of God together. So I invite you to take your voice next time we sing and sing to the Lord. But he sings back to us. He sings over us. He says he rejoices over you with joyful songs. Oh, guys, I, I get excited about that hope this morning when I see that, that the Lord is in our midst. He rejoices over us with gladness. And fill it in here. So look there in the middle of the page, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you in your midst. He will exalt you over you with joy. He will quiet you in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. He will shout over you with songs. 
He is mighty to save. He is a victorious warrior. The mighty warrior, Jesus Christ, who has come to save, to deliver us from sin. He is the prevailing one. He is the all-conquering, all-time hero. He is here to do for us what we cannot do our, for ourselves, which is redeem us, save us, change us. And He is indeed the mighty God, the mighty warrior. And He is here for us. He is here for us to fellowship with. He is here for us to exalt, to praise, to lift high, to talk to, and to listen to. And that scripture said a minute ago, he will quiet us, silence us, relax us, calm our greatest fears if we'll be still. The psalmist in chapter 46, verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. But one translation I like even better. Cease your striving and be still and know that I am God. And right now, as I walk through the Pruitts in this season, with all the gamut of emotions of losing, but she's not lost, a 19-year-old is trying to help them walk through this and be quiet when they can to draw strength from Abba, that he is good, he is a tender shepherd. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. How many believe God is a comforter? This morning, when you leave here, I pray that you would ask the Lord to sing over the Pruitt family in the days ahead. And that his grace would be multiplied and great to them. Hebrews 7.25, just a little side verse, I want you to write it down. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. You know, Jesus says he lives to intercede. He lives to intercede for us. He intercedes on our behalf. That's the Savior we have. What a mighty Savior. But this great verse here in the Old Testament that God sings over his people, that these people have been so caught up in sin, they've been so full of uh, idolatry and sin and turning their back, and God still loves them. He still goes after them. This thing about quieting our minds, our hearts, that I want to I give this to you. There's somebody here today that's in this room, maybe several. There are people that will listen to this podcast or watch it on video if it works. We pray it does. We've been having problems. And voices will attack you, the voice of the evil one, a voice of fear, a voice of insecurity will come to you. A voice of condemnation. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Those voices that try to come against you. Anybody ever deal with that but me? And they're strong. And the Lord gives us a prescription to quieten ourselves and do not listen to those voices, but to be calm, to relax in Him and allow Him to sing over us, to speak into the situation. I am so confident that our God hears our praises and he sings over us with great joy in his heart and he's listening to us. We need to listen to the shepherd. And when we get into those spiritual battles and the warfare that can be intense at times, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. 
because he is a mighty savior victorious warrior you're saying man you're kind of repeating some of that because it's important there's a verse going to come up psalm 147 11 the lord takes pleasure in those who fear him in those who hope in his mercy it's a great verse but as we look at this i, I think about that mom again that sings over her baby she might sing over them with, with great joy. She might sing over them in tears, but she sings. She makes expression to God for them. Some of you grew up in a home that maybe there wasn't a lot of love. And I'm sorry. Maybe you grew up in a home that you made B's and C's or D's. You just didn't do very well academically. And even when you made B's and C's and that was the best you could do, your parents just couldn't tell you they were proud of you. They just always say, well, why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? How many of you would have loved to have been a brother of Jesus Christ? That would have been a tough home. Okay, another story for another day. But man, just you know, you've got, you, you got to be the best you are, the best that you can be. But our parents, they do. I think most of them, they do rejoice over us. They are thankful for us. We're thankful for them. This weekend, we celebrate Mother's Day. But sometimes we don't seem to measure up. But I tell you what. I'm glad that you and me are significant to our perfect heavenly Father and that I measure up in, in Christ to Him. And the church said, God loves you for who you are. No matter where you've been, no matter how much guilt has filled you, no much, how much shame you've dealt with, God is there for that. You know, this thing He talks about, He rejoices in us, He rejoices over us. It makes me think of the story of the wedding in a very formal church and and the bride began she came through the doors with her dad she began to walk down the aisle it was a long aisle and 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 the groom was standing there by the pastor i've been there so many times and and he was supposed to stand there and be a grinning idiot i mean excuse me a grinning person and he's waiting to receive his bride and this guy was so excited that he took off running down the aisle to get his bride now, thank God, thank God, that has never happened to me in a service. Because that would be awkward. But the idea is, he was thrilled about his prospect, about his bride, about the one that he would share life with. And I think that is a picture that God loves us, that he sings over us, and he welcomes us into his presence. And one day, we shall behold him as he is. We shall see him face to face. We now see in part, but then we should see fully. Are you looking forward to that day in faith in Jesus Christ? It's an awesome day. So there's more joy in heaven, the Bible says, over one sinner who repents than 99 that feel like they have no need to repent. Isaiah 62, 5. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will exult you over you with shout of joy. As a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, shall, so shall your God rejoice over you and you're saying man i like this i actually got an email or a message this weekend the guy said thank you so much for the message last weekend that's the only person that sent anything to me i'm like well good i wish he was here today he, was out. he said i gotta be out of town this week i said if you like last weekend you really like this weekend last weekend we just getting beat up but here we go but god sings and i don't know if you've ever stopped and thought of that i've prayed it here many times maybe you never but we've never actually studied this section but i'm just like lord i'm glad i'm grateful that you sing over us because don and i had the joy of raising girls in a school that was filled with the arts and academics they're incredibly musically talented and very proficient in their skills 
and I loved it. They were always singing in our home. Our home was filled with praises for our God. It was awesome. And then they grew up, and then me and Donna look at each other like, I guess, I guess we got the radio, or I guess we could turn on this or that, but we, me and Donna do not sing over one another in our house. Now, Donna can sing, but, but you know, but, but, you know I, if I sing, some people have said this to me. I've been in meetings before. I've been in big meetings, and I've actually had people look at me like, why don't you just stick to preaching? And that's ugly. So I try to lower my voice because I have a big mouth. I go in restaurants, and I've noticed I can speak, and when I speak, people turn. So I have to learn, lower your voice. So when I sing, I've had to learn to lower my voice because I don't, I don't want to drown you out with this beautiful voice that I have. I do not. But God sings. His voice, you're like, what does God's voice sound like? Well, I know in the fullness of heaven for all eternity when he sings and we sing with him, that is going to be awesome. We're going to give him glory and praise and he breaks forth. But as, as I thought about that, I, I set this up for my friend up there that loves baseball. He, he runs our sound a lot of times, Zach. There, there was this event in baseball several years ago, this team called the L.A. Dodgers. Watch it with me. It's kind of a clip. The guy's a little exuberant. Let's see if we've got it. He's happy. I know some of you are saying, why do you show that? Because I can. I mean, I loved it. I mean, you know, man, do you not remember that? How many of you watched that when it was, really happened? I mean, the Dodgers took the... Okay, I guess I dated myself on that one. It was huge. I mean, the guy had been a star player. He was severely hurt. Not one bad leg, but two bad legs. Gimp leg. Had nothing. And they're in this game. It's like, but he's a great athlete. But he's like, he's crippled. And he gets up and he hits his home run with a guy on base. And they win the game. I mean, it's huge. And you see the fans. And they said the fans would not leave the stadium that night. So full of joy because they'd won a baseball game. How much more does our God in heaven rejoice and sing over us daily? Amen? And he sings and he, we worship. and uh, Like, talk to a grandparent about how much joy they have over their grandkids. It's, it's ridiculous. I can't imagine grandparents doing that. Okay. A joyful day when the Lord rescues his people is what Zephaniah talks. But God not only saves, but God sings. There it is. Fill it in. Our God not only saves us, he's a mighty savior and a redeemer, but he, but he sings. He, he sings over us, and we're silent before him. He is in our midst. He takes joy in us. Deuteronomy 31, 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is yours. He is with you. In Romans 8, 38 through 39, listen. I know you're saying, Pastor, you love Romans more than anybody I know. I do, I do. I, I love it. Chapter 8. 
But listen to this. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing can separate us. Even death can't separate us from the great love of God in Jesus. So this morning, I come to declare that he is a warrior that sings over us. We should not underestimate how great he is and how we should praise him, how we should bless him, how we should run over him. It's like if anybody's ever written a love song to you, some of you can look at, look at your wife right now. Or she, and like, oh, yeah. Remember that time I wrote you a song? Like, yeah, it was really it was lame. Or like, oh, that was really good. I think in this room many years ago, I think I'm, there's this guy that plays the piano over here. He's related to me. He wrote a song, and he sang it to my daughter. You remember that? That was awesome. And I thought, I didn't have nothing. I didn't sing over my bride. I mean, I love her. She's worthy of anything. But it was just so cool that he took that talent God gave him, and he sang over his wife. I loved it. Then I have another son-in-law, and he sang this song over his wife. I'm like, man, guys, y'all, y'all got game. This is awesome. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over us. Zephaniah shows us that God delights in us. But Zephaniah, I I, I could talk about this all day. He rejoiced, verse 18, I will gather you who mourn for the appointed festivals, and you will be disgraced no more, and I will deal severely with all who have oppressed you. I will save the weak and the helpless ones. I will bring together those who were chased away. I will give glory and fame to my former exiles. Wherever they have been mocked and shamed on that day, I will gather you together and I will bring you home again. I will give you a good name, a name of distinction among all the nations of the earth, and I will restore your fortunes before their very eyes. I, the Lord, have spoken. And I believe that God will sing over us songs of joy. If you will, a a hymn, a chant, a worship song of joy over us salvation has come near salvation is ours when fear comes in zephaniah would say give it no space drive it away in the faith that you have in christ there's a bible teacher named ray ortland that i've listened to some he's he's really good he's a very good bible teacher and he serves the church in called emmanuel in nashville and they say that he has this little thing that he does like he opens up his services with this and uh, and, and I never I just found this, and I said, man, I like it. So listen to this. I thought it was really good. He said he'll get up before he preaches or sometime in the morning service, and there are a litany of going through things. Here's what he says. To all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares, to all who are weak and fall, fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a Savior, this church opens with her wide doors with a, wide, with a great welcome from Jesus, the mighty friend of sinners, the ally of, the ally of his enemies, the defender of the indefensible, the justifier of those who have no excuses left. You are welcome to this place. I, I liked it. Like, man, that, that's a place that's just inviting people to come worship as they are. And it's one of the things that we've tried to develop over 23 years that we wanted to be a place that would be for people to come as they are shattered broken crushed discouraged encouraged in faith out of faith 
backslidden, close to Jesus, wherever they are, needing a safe place, needing a refuge, needing a shelter from the world to come and to be healed by the presence of Jesus Christ. And the church said, that's my desire, has been from day one, that we would be a hiding place, a healing place, a redeeming place, a worship place, a celebratory place, a singing place. Imagine that. We've been about worship from day one. We just wanted to worship our king. Isaiah 62, 5. As a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. In verse 18, he talks there about gathering quietness in his love. And God represents himself as a husband that comes for his bride. And the prophet speaks to us so clearly today that this is our testimony, that God is always a God of restoration, and He's always a God of hope. And our God of hope will never fail us if we look to Him and trust Him. For the kingdom age is just before us, the millennial age, the thousand-year reign, all eternity, all those things to unpack when Jesus returns. And Jesus prepares us for that if we delight in the Lord, if we obey Him, if we trust that we repent, we turn from sin and turn to the living God, God will receive us unto Himself. And He will sing over us that He is a merciful lover of our soul. Bottom line, you can come on this, Jeremy. God's character is often misunderstood or ignored. But in reality, God is a just and merciful lover of our soul. I kept playing with that verse, God sings over me, God rejoices over me, God prepares things for me. The lover of my soul. And last night, I was in the study late, and it hit me, I went, wait a minute, we used to sing a song at Christ Community, and I bet you don't know this, one. you are from Canada, and this is way before you got to the States, but if you break out in it, I know this is anointing. Uh, there was this song, and it was the first Christian concert he had ever done in his life. And we were at AUM worshiping. And a little short guy helped me, Donna. My mind just went blank. I've got him down there hanging on the wall. Uh, huh? Thank you. Kevin Derryberry. Kevin was about this big, used to sing in a rock and roll group out of Selma, Alabama, got radically saved. And he came in and he did a worship. He had never sang in a Christian concert to Christ community. And he sang a song that I'll never forget. Jesus, lover of my soul. Maybe you can YouTube it. I don't know if it's on there. But Kevin Derryberry. So last night, I just went old school and I found an old one by, I think, Hillsong or somebody. And I thought, Lord, you're merciful. You love our souls profoundly. So this morning, I pray that you'll just rejoice in your God and worship Him that we overcome judgment in Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would just say, Lord, be pleased with me. Sing over me. And may I sing back and give my praise to you. I hope this morning that somehow I've encouraged you, inspired you, motivated you, and pushed you to make next weekend a little different. Listen, this is what I want to close on. I want next weekend to be a little different than it's ever been. I want you to come in early. That will be different than it's ever been for some of you. I want you to get here about 10 minutes till. 
That's 950, okay? And then, I want you to enter into God's presence on the very first song, not the third song. And I want you to sing back to our God. And let's go back to cultivate that deep heart of going on a journey with Jesus on Sunday mornings with our faith family. And the church said, amen. That's what started this church. I knew I was not the greatest Bible teacher. I knew I had a joy and an infectious love for Christ. But I knew I had a heart of worship, and I knew God had called me to proclaim the gospel. But guys, I'm just telling you this morning, this is very prophetic. This church was created to be a worshiping community of believers that the lost might come in and might be impacted by our worship for our holy God. And I invite you, let's begin to cultivate that by the Spirit of Christ once again. Jesus, lover of our soul. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're grateful for your presence this morning. We're grateful for friends that have gathered and family. And God, we need you and we rejoice with Zephaniah that you sing over us with great joy and gladness. The Bible says, and they were glad when they went to the house of the Lord. May we be glad and joyful every time we enter in to this place. But Lord, may we be more thrilled about when we enter into your presence. Give us grace until we meet again. And Father, we pray that you would pour out grace on our city today. That you would pour out grace upon Glenn and Ashley and Jennifer and brothers and sisters. And we'd magnify your name. Lord, thank you for little Courtney and the impact she had on me and so many and how she loved the children of this church. Thank you for how she served her Christ. You have received her to yourself. We bless your name. Amen. Have a great week. Hope to see you Wednesday, if you can make it, or Tuesday.